Welcome to Monday Morning Homilist. I'm Father Manny Alvarez. And I'm Jorge Santibanez. Every Monday morning, we dive deeper into the previous Sunday's readings and homilies. And towards the end, we veer off to talk about life and definitely talk a little sports. Enjoy. Good morning, Father. We're Happy late. Monday. We're late this morning. It is ten thirty. Wow, we never we never do this. Late. We usually we would be posting right now. Also, we're, we're on take two right now. We're on take two because <laughs> I I lost it. You know, it was a blooper reel that maybe one day we'll see the light. No, of day. it's been deleted. Oh, it's been it's, deleted. Oh, it's okay, gone. good because it's it was. Gone. It was a, I had a major laugh attack and and I needed to get that out and I'm ready to go serious things. I mean, we always laugh here on the podcast, but that was. Just, I, I, I uh, he kept. Here's the thing. I'm laughing. And I kept it. I kept and it rolling. Kept, I should. I should, I need to see a, if I can undo this. Delete. He was a pro, and he kept talking <laughs> while I'm laughing hysterically off mic, and I and I can't control muting my mic because the the soundboard's on George's end of the table. But oh. I just kept laughing, and you know, spirit is, of the Lord moves us this way. This, I got to put a camera in here just so so we can have a backup of all this. No, we don't craziness don't, going because, on because you know, I, I you give me cut signs, I give you cut signs. We 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 have non cue, we have non verbal oh, cues, and that's funny. And but but it was it was a uh, it was a fun first take. Anyhow, not the TV show. Uh, how was your weekend? It was another another weekend in November, is which means. Events after events after events after events. We have no idea where we're going to fit things things in, but you but know, here we, still we are. Do, we still do it. Like this podcast this morning. Like I don't know how I thought this morning. I might have to go in there and record it myself because you're, you know MJ had a, had the sniffles and you know yeah. Father had the sniffles this morning. Got up to the altar. I have no idea what you, they you put in those little... flowers. Have no idea what they put on those flowers. I feel perfectly fine, yeah. but it was like a geyser. I ha- my nose hasn't run in three years. Literally three years to the day, I had the flu today, three years ago. And this morning, I get up to the altar, and I don't know what they put in the flowers of this. I mean, I celebrated Mass twice yesterday. Something must have happened overnight. When I got to the altar, left the altar, I was fine. But that's the time of the year we're in. Anyhow, it's the end times, apparently. (laughs) If you read the... (laughs) That's a great great transition, great segue. Uh, if you read the gospel today, we, we in morning mass we began reading from the book of Revelation, which is always great. You know, everybody's like, oh, "What's going on here?" But um, Jesus was talking about tribulation and and uh, persecution and all that fun stuff that oh yeah we don't like to talk about. This is the the great greatest time of the year to come to mass to feel comfortable, right? Right, but and so if you came to mass yesterday and you heard this, a lot of this will be repetitive because I think that. The story that I told yesterday about Father Walter Sechek deserves a little bit of a deeper dive, which is why we have this podcast, and so I'll go into it a little bit more in detail. But I did mention at the beginning of the homily yesterday that so many uh, evangelical preachers, and I want to criticize them, I guess I just did, uh, kind of focus on these readings when they're talking about the end times. You know, they point, you know, Jesus, just to go really quickly through what Jesus said in the gospel, this is the 21st chapter of St. Luke. Uh, you know, people were talking about when, when the end times will be coming, and, and they asked him, teacher, when will this happen? And what sign will, we, will be, there be when these things are about to happen? He answered, see that you not be deceived, for many will come to my in my name and saying, I am he, the time has come, do not follow them. 
when you hear of wars and insurrections, do not be terrified. For such things must happen first, but it will not immediately be the end. There will be powerful earthquakes, famines and plagues from place to place, and awesome sights and mighty signs will come before the sky. Before all this happens, however, they will seize and persecute. They will hand you over. Let me stop right there before we go into the persecution part. Jesus says all these things that, that will happen in terms of, you know, famines and plagues and wars and insurrections and powerful earthquakes. And my goodness, we had a November hurricane last mm-hmm. week. So a lot of Protestant preachers will point to this, or evangelical preachers will point to this and say, well, look at all these things, a symbol of the end of time. I mean, Jesus is coming. Well, here's the thing. Jesus said this 2,000 years ago. And we had, we've had wars for 2,000 years. We've had famines for 2,000 years. We've had plagues, big plagues. Mm-hmm. I'm not talking about the pandemic. Black death was worse mm-hmm. than the pandemic. So all this stuff, Jesus says, you see all these things, but here's where he, where he warns us during Advent is be ready. Be awake, stay alert, be ready. The time has come. So Jesus then says, but before all these things happen, you will suffer persecution. And the line that I focused on in the gospel was this. You will be hated by all because of my name, but not a hair on your head will be destroyed. By your perseverance, you will secure your lives. So that's where I basically transitioned into the fascinating story. The story of Father Walter Ciszek. And there's, before we get into it, I don't know if you mentioned it yesterday, the the image of Father Ciszek that they installed at Our Lady of Belen yeah. in, the, in the new chapel is extraordinary. I mean, all the images there are, are beautiful. It's a side altar but, to the but left. But that one in particular, and I think we both had the same reaction when we walked in there. You're just drawn to it. And... Wow, they did an extraordinary job with that one. No, I, I, I'm almost positive I have a picture of it. Um, a picture of it somewhere. Uh, but this man the, that I talked about, and yeah, I did mention it at the five thirty mass about the the side altar in Belen. Father Walter Ciszek was. Let me just start from the beginning of his life because this is like I said. If if you went to my my mass yesterday, you you know this will sound repetitive, but you know for those who didn't. This is uh this is wonderful. I started I started reading about him about ten years ago, and it was just like a beautiful life, fascinating life, harsh life. Father Walter Ciszek uh, was a Polish American born in Shenandoah, Pennsylvania, in 1904. As a teenager, had a reputation as a bully and a street tough. Throughout his life, you could see patterns of him doing things that people told him he could not do. When he was 14, and told his father that he wanted to be a priest, his father his father laughed it off. But young Walter entered the seminary anyways. He wanted to maintain his toughness. So he would wake up at 4.30 a.m. just to go on a five-mile run. I don't even do that. At 4.30 in the morning. At, at 4.30 in the But after you do I'll a do five-mile five mile runs, but not 4.30 in the morning. <laughs> but after a five-mile run, would you do what he did? After the five-mile run? Not would, even close. He would jump into a lake in November when it was barely above freezing. I can't even go in a pool at 70 degrees. <laughs> no, that, we stopped pool. I said it yesterday. We stopped pool season and beach season around September when, when the first when the temperature gets to near 70. So he would later write, I still couldn't stand to think that anyone could do something that I couldn't do. Down the line, this is my reading, I guess Assen Priest was too easy for him. So three years shy of ordination, <laughs> he made up his mind to become a Jesuit and did. At the same time, Pope Pius XI was all too aware that we were losing Russia to atheism, so he turned to the Jesuits for missionaries to go into Russia to tend to the people. As the Jesuits like to say, they are the Marines of the Catholic Church, and happy belated birthday to the Marines, where we celebrated Ooh, at, at, on November 10th. 
So Cishek was sent to Rome to study Russian and learn to say mass in the Russian rite. And he was finally ordained in 1937. Now, when you think of 1937, think about he's in Rome. What's happening in Europe in 1937? And he wants to go into Russia, but he couldn't enter into Russia. So he went as close as he possibly could, which led him to 19, late 1930s Poland. Not the best place to be in that point of history. When the Germans invaded Poland from the, from the west, Russia came to him when the Red Army came from the east, and he saw it as an opportunity amidst the tragedy of the Nazi invasion to travel into Russia with all the refugees headed east. He finally entered Russia under a fake name and a fake backstory and ended up in the Ural Mountain town of Chusavi, where he worked in a lumberyard and celebrated mass secretly in the woods. But the KGB and the secret police eventually figured out who he was, arrested him, and accused him of being a Vatican spy. He was subjected to cruel and unspeakable torture as he tried to stick to his cover story. But he was sentenced to 15 years of hard labor in Siberia, where he would learn to minister to fellow prisoners in the harshest of conditions. He ended up in a town 10 degrees north of the Arctic Circle, shoveling coal into freighters. The guards would not distribute winter clothes until the temperature dropped to 30, below zero. When I read that, I was like, no, 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 this has to be a misprint. 30 is already, like, wow, that's really cold. 30 below zero, I, uh, the coldest I've ever Do been is... Do you even is, feel it at that point? I, the coldest I've ever been is five below zero. That's, I mean, and it's and that's layers and layers and layers Yikes. of clothes when, when you even approach zero. But through all this torture, Cishek maintained his toughness. He went five years without celebrating the Eucharist until he met another priest. The prisoners would crush raisins to make wine. They would use the back of a watch as a patent for the bread and a shot glass as a chalice. I, I read that and I was like, well, that's you know? one way. I mean, you have the vodka <laughs> shot glasses. That's one way to celebrate Mass. You think of uh, uh, the Vietnamese uh, cardinal whose name escapes me right now who used to celebrate Mass basically with a drop in of wine pulp. in one hand yeah. and a, a piece of bread in the other. A beautiful image. Mm-hmm. He found incredible joy, Father Cichek, and finally being able to celebrate the Eucharist, and he would smuggle communion to the prisoners, hear the confessions, and even would give retreats in order to keep the men's spirits up. The sheer audacity of Father Cichek's fearless approach to ministry could be seen when he celebrated Mass on one occasion right inside the command commandant's quarters when it had been cleared for the day. I'm like, this guy. Yeah. I go, you know what? The commandant's there. We need a warm place to, to celebrate Mass. Let's, let's, let's go it. in there and just celebrate Mass. This priest feared nothing. Once his sentence in the gulag was complete, he was sent out to a small town in Siberia where he set up shop to continue doing the very thing he was arrested for, ministering as a priest. He worked in a factory where the people would cover for him so he could go about his ministry and set up a very successful mission. When the secret police discovered what he was doing after the infiltrated a midnight mass, they kicked him out of town, and he proceeded to set up a mission in another town within two months. When he was kicked out of there, he did it in a third town. This was a priest that would not let anything or anyone or any sort of persecution or torture stand in the way of his priestly ministry. Finally, in 1963, he was taken by the secret police to Moscow, where he was part of a prisoner exchange for two Soviet spies the U.S. had been holding, and he came back to America where his sisters and the Jesuits had spent 25 years thinking he was dead. Well, he lived out the remainder of his years in the U.S. and died in 1984. His home diocese is now promoting his cause for canonization for his heroic virtue. And you know, we just looked at, I, lo- I looked up the, the picture of, uh, of the side altar in the Blend Chapel, and it's just a beautiful, beautiful, you know, let's say 
painting or mural that they mm-hmm. did over there for him, and with the words "He leadeth me," which is the story of you know the, the book title that, of his book. Yeah, it's it's a it's a marvelous book, and I highly recommend it. He leadeth me, Father Walter Cishek. It's spelled C I S Z E K Z E K C I S Z E K. I spelled it wrong to a lot of parishioners oh. <laughs> yesterday after mass. I put a C H in there. Were you spelling Steve Cishek? <laughs> yeah, as, as I look at the Marlins flag behind you. But uh, no, just an extraordinary life. And the reason I brought up his his, uh, his story is because right before I brought up his story was this question that I asked. Do we live our faith in such a way that we risk being persecuted for our beliefs? Are we up to living the challenge that Father Cishek lived? This is a man that faced unspeakable cruelty, unspeakable torture, and yet he persevered and kept stubbornly Setting up shop, setting up mission to the point where the Soviets said, you know what, we just gotta kick him out of the yep. country. They got sick of him. Yep. They didn't want him. They did a prisoner exchange. This is just a priest. This is how much damage, quote unquote, he was doing in Russia that they wanted him out of the country. So that's a question that I asked yesterday is like, do we live our faith in a way that we risk being persecuted for our beliefs? Do we stand up and have conviction for things? Instead of cowering away and saying, "Yeah, you know, you know, that's I know what that's what my church believes, and I know this is what I believe," but you know what? I have to respect other people's beliefs. I don't want to. I don't want to bother anybody. You know, I don't want to. You know, I don't want to. You know, upset the stat. Just you know, just just live and let live. No, that's not. I read a story. I think it was uh, Central Florida at a public high school. A teacher on their parking spot on their parking bumper. Uh, wrote, you know, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And the teacher who's, who's uh, another teacher at that school complained about it and said, I feel attacked with this scripture being written on this parking bumper. I go, are you kidding me? She felt, she felt, she attacked, felt attacked by a scripture by a passage. scripture passage, which gave this particular teacher consolation. And, you know, she's pulling into the spot every day and, you know, good, good for her. But she stood... She stood strong and, and said, "No, I'm not. I'm not going to remove this from my parking bumper. This is my yeah. freedom. My freedom of expression." Well, what, what was the scriptures? Um, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's that's all that the par- the parking bumper stated. Yeah, but and you know, last week last week I said, you know, we're not we're not being persecuted to the point where where we're losing our life on the on the street corner necessarily, but it's these it's these smaller persecutions that, yeah, it's. It can be inconvenient to be put in that position, but do we stand firm? You know, do we do we live our life in a way that proclaims Christ, and and you know when when we're questioned on it and when we're challenged on it, we say yes, this is this is who I am, this is what I believe, and this is how I'm going to live my life. I'm trying to wrap my heads on how that scripture passage is even remotely <laughs> offensive. Like if if you would have put okay. From the book of Genesis, something we hold dear, male and female who create them. That's yep. why a man leaves father and mother and yep. clings to his wife. Okay, yep. standing up for marriage. Okay, and so someone who is an advocate for gay unions may say, "That's you know that, that's offensive." Mm-hmm. Okay, that I could possibly wrap my head around, but I could do all things in Christ who strengthens yep. me. This is who I. This is my God. This is who I believe in. But if that's so- but that's the world that we are dear Lord. descending into where. Or you know, next thing you know, just wearing a wearing a crucifix is going to be offensive to someone. But it it always is because the sisters and I always have this uh, this conversation 
that by many by their their garb, their habits, mm-hmm. and my clerical garb, we st- we stand as signs of contradiction. We stand as uh, you know as parad- as paradoxes in society. Mm-hmm. Like they will, you know. I usually when I travel, I travel in clerics. Well, I mean, I'm in clerics most of the time. But I like to travel in clerics. I like to see the. I've said this before. I like to see the the faces on people when I walk in a plane. Oh, <laughs> father's here. The plane's not going down. Same, same thing happens with the sisters. Yep. But the sisters are like more are, are more stark. Yep. You know, it it's people see them and they're like, "Wow, look, nuns, yep. cool." Like the, when they first moved into the new convent, you know, they're right there on the you know the edge of the golf course, and people teeing off on the third tee. We're looking at like there's nuns staring at us. <laughs> <laughs> and we're like, hey, no, it's, they're, I said to one, they're praying for you. You're going to have a good, you're going to hit it straight. Boom, and you hit it straight. So, but do we stand, you don't wear, you know, if you're listening to it, you probably don't wear a, a habit. You probably don't wear a cler, you know, mm-hmm. clerical attire. But that crucifix, that, you know, that, that whatever it is that you have that screams to the world yeah. that you're Catholic. Yeah. Here's, here's a big one. And it's one that I struggled for a while. Praying before meals at a public restaurant. Ooh. And actually... Making the visible sign of the cross, it's you know, it's not, the not just point. a little, you know, quiet thing by your chest and and a quick, quiet prayer. You know, like, do you actually visibly make the sign of the cross? It, it's uncomfortable. It can it can be uncomfortable. I know people that I, I know. I'm thinking of a deacon right now that when he and his family go out to dinner, and I've been out to dinner with them in public places, they literally stop and they hold hands. In a public place. I mean, I, we didn't even do that in my house. We would pray before every dinner, but we oh, never yeah. held hands before before every you know before dinner. But yes, that is a visible sign. But it comes to a point is like okay, this is where you know where our controversial beliefs, controversial mm-hmm. to the world, not to us, you know, will get us in trouble. And I say yes, get in trouble. And that's where I got to the end of the homily. Is like sometimes we as Catholics, and I use the word wimps, we get to the Whenever we're confronted on an issue, when we're confronted by something, and this morning we were, you know, talking about the March for Life, which is going to go on in, in January, and the bishops, you know, this past Friday uh, said, "Yes, we're we're doing this. We're having the prayer vigil like we always do, and all the all the things that surround the March for Life, even in a post row world." And do we do things that to stand up? Because those kids that up there, not yes, a lot of them go gets the trip, but. You know, I've se- you know I've seen so many kids that go there, and they're courageous, and they're and they make these signs, and they're very and their conviction to stand up for life is mm-hmm. so strong. Now, and we always tell them it can't be just a three day trip. It can't be just that one day where we do the march for life. It has to be every day of the year. We have to stand up for life. We have to stand up for our faith. We have to stand up for. I always say, and this is you know I'm going a little bit off on tangent here, but it's not it's not faith anymore. Life begins at conception. It's not a matter of faith anymore. It's science. So when we go out there, when we put ourselves out there and say, this is who we are, this is our Catholicism, we wear it on our sleeve and are unapologetic about it, Mm -hmm. that's what we are called to do. That's what Jesus is telling us when he says, you will face persecution. You will be hated. Jesus says, literally, you'll be hated by all because of my name. I will do all things in Christ who strengthened me. Mm-hmm. There it is right there. Mm-hmm. There it is right there. A poor woman persecuted because she yep. dared to put the name of the Lord yep. on a bumper sticker. Come on. To quote the great Taylor, Taylor Twelman, what are we doing? Oh, uh. But this is the world we live in. Yep. So 
you look at the story of Father Sishak, you look, you look at his perseverance, you look at his, you know, at his stubborn conviction, continue yep. preaching the gospel, even if it cost him his life, and he mm -hmm. thankfully wasn't martyred. He died of natural causes in 1984 and spent the last 22 years of his life or 21 years of his life here in the United States. But it asks us the question, have we ever been persecuted for our faith? Or better yet, do we live our faith in such a way that we run the risk of being persecuted for our moral beliefs and fidelity to Christ? Father Sishak did not care what happened to him, and he lived in Soviet Russia during the height of the Cold War. We live in a country that allows us to practice our faith freely, but do we express it freely? When confronted with the toughness and audacity of Father Sishak's life, and, I, and that's why I said, I look at our Catholic community and say, yeah, we're, we're wimps when it comes to a lot of things. We're wimps when it comes to proclaiming the gospel. We're wimps when it comes to getting into people's faces. The evangelicals have no problem getting in people's faces and saying, this is the truth of Jesus Christ. Why can't Catholics be the same way? We have the beauty of the Eucharist. We can't be embarrassed by our faith. But we live our lives as if we were ashamed to be Catholic. We should walk around with our heads held high mm -hmm. because we have been given this glorious gift of our faith that allows us to come encounter Christ in the Eucharist every Sunday. That was the, the gospel antiphon. I don't have it in front of me. It said to keep your heads held high. Jesus tells us not a hair on your head will be harmed, will be destroyed. So we must all work towards the goal of shedding the wimpy practice of our faith and start working towards a more proactive practice of Catholicism. As St. Paul told the Thessalonians in yesterday's second reading, if anyone is unwilling to work, neither should that person eat. 2 Thessalonians 3.10 You want to sit at Christ's table? It's time to roll up your sleeves and start living out the faith we profess in the creed we recite every Sunday. We need more Father Sechecks in our life who are tough as nails, Catholics that boldly live out their faith despite what the world throws at them. This is what the church, what the world is crying for. As it continues, it's rapid decline, if it's not there already, yep. into secularism where God has no place and our faith becomes irrelevant. So who will stand up? Who will dare live their faith in such a way that they risk being persecuted for the sake of our Lord Jesus Christ? Who will do that? You know, when, when you were reading the, the story again, what jumped out at me was he went five years without celebrating the Eucharist. Yep. And then a few lines later, you know, as as he's literally in in the worst possible conditions, it's the joy that the that celebrating mass would bring to him in the midst of all that. You know, I'm just thinking, you know, we're we're in the middle of this uh, Eucharistic revival and for Father C like what would it be like for you go five years without celebrating the Eucharist? Oh, torture. You know, that's like Literally, like five years without my wife. Same thing. You know, just five years without the, the thing that you are most passionately in love with. You know, to just go, you know, to have it, literally have it every single day, and then one day to the next, boom, it's gone. It's gone. You know, and then to for him to be able to celebrate Mass again, you know, ha having encountered this other priest, and then being emboldened to continue celebrating Mass, despite everything that was thrown at him you know despite despite all these horrid conditions that he was subjected to you know, and the fact that it still brought him this overwhelming joy i go wow you know if there's a story to to highlight for this eucharistic revival it's that right there
We went, what, almost three months without the Eucharist during the lockdown. Um, I didn't. Everybody else did. Right. You were pretty much you were pretty much there almost every Sunday, and during Holy Week, so you didn't go without it. Right. But I saw what it did to people, and you know what? I knew at the beginning of the pandemic we were like, "Ah, oh, no, it's not going to happen. This is too much crazy." We were like, you know, saying, "This is you know, this is not going to happen." If they do lock us down, I'm going to. I thought about Father Sechek. I thought about other priests Say, I'm going to go celebrate Mass in private, mm-hmm. you know, defy the law until we realize, wait, there's a priest in New Jersey, 34 years old, that died because doing that. And I'm like, yeah, I am no good at my parishioners dead. So, I mean, yes, at the time, looking back, you know, I don't want to relitigate that. We didn't know anything. Mm-hmm. We had to, you know, we had to operate with caution. And, it, hap- it happened. It was unfortunate. You know, it was a demonic masterpiece by the evil one to keep people away during Easter, during Holy Week, during those three months, and for uh, in other parts of the country even longer. Yep. But, and, and we're still seeing the effects. But I thought about that until I realized, wait, this is, you know, this would be stupid. You know, yeah, you want to live a martyr's death. I go, that's that's the way to go. But then I go, yeah, but what good am I to my people dead? (laughs) You know, not that I would have died because you know I had COVID not during that time, but you know later on Mm -hmm. when when we had treatments for it, when you know whatever. But we have to live our faith in a way, and and I saw how people reacted to it. You know, some people really want to go kung ho and 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 you know. To the point, let's be persecuted, but, you know, there's persecution and there's common sense. Okay, Father C.J. had a purpose. He needed to bring Christ into the lives of these men who were there in the gulag. He was the presence of Christ there. Thankfully, we had the medium of, we were talking about it this morning, of Facebook, Mm -hmm. of, of social media, of YouTube, to be able to bring the gospel to others through social media. And be able to bring joy to people's lives during that dreary time that we don't want to think about two and a half years ago. But now, as we come on the other side of that, there's so many things that we as a church need to stand up for. Right now, as we speak, the bishops of the United States are meeting in Baltimore for their their yearly November meeting, electing a new president, a new vice president. You know, friends, pray for them because they have decisions to make that may cause the church to be persecuted. We stand in stark opposition to so many things that the world says that are inviolable human rights, like the right to choose, quote-unquote, gender theory, gender fluidity, all these things, gay marriage, whatever you want to call it, all those hot-button issues. The church stands in stark contrast, and we need to stand up for it. Because as I finished my homily yesterday, the times that we're living in, the Catholic Church doesn't need wimps. The Catholic Church needs bold and courageous saints. And that has to be you. Yes! Yes! The you! The you! The you! The you! Running back. Wow. That's your fiance's boy.
Exactly. It's you a no-brainer. He's a Hall of Famer. <laughs> that guy just... No, but... Just... No. Get out of here. <laughs> what was that last night? MVP. 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 Oh, wow. <laughs> I said it yesterday. I go, we were expecting big things, but were we expecting this? And there's still things that he, you know, he can improve on. Deep ball. Mm-hmm. You know, there's still things, but my goodness. And listen, credit has to be given. I, I criticized him earlier in the year, not him, too. I mean, I mean, the offensive line, they kept him clean. Was it zero sacks, zero punts yesterday? Zero sacks, zero punts. I mean, they they have Miles Garrett and Jadavian Clowney on the other side, and they didn't sniff yeah. Tua all day. And we lit up the Cleveland. I mean, it's the Cleveland Browns. Jacoby Brissett. You know, they did march down the field. Defense is still like there's got to be something wrong with Xavier Howard. I don't. You know, he was not. Great on that opening drive when we went down seven nothing, but my goodness, that offense is fun to watch. But thirty nine seventeen, we were saying you know every game this year has felt like it's like it's been a coin flip, and this one was. It's good I to mean, have it's good to have a laugher. Yeah, I know it was it was over after the first drive after the the halftime, but still, I I really wanted to take a nap because I was really tired yesterday <laughs> after morning masses, and I'm like okay, but I you know I kept watching because it's there and and I had to go somewhere I had to visit some parishioners afterwards. And I kept it on, and you know Cleveland did score a field. I don't know if they scored a field goal, or then they scored a touchdown, and they brought it to within ten or something. They brought it to within ten, and then we got reeled off two more touchdowns. It's like it wasn't it was it was a laugher. It really was. You know, the thing is that I'm so scarred by past collapses that you know I I will not celebrate <laughs> until it's you know, but until it's z- through triple zeros on the mm-hmm. clock. But I left to visit parishioners on three thirty and game well in hand, and they still scored another touchdown after that. After I left, Jeff Wilson, my goodness, talk about a revelation. He had a day. Guy is fast. McDaniel is playing chess while the rest of the NFL yep. is playing checkers. I would love to see. It wouldn't happen until the playoffs, but I would love to see this team play Kansas City. Andy Reid and McDaniel going head-to-head. Oof. First place Finns. First place. First place Finns. There we go. How about the game of the year? <laughs> Reason why we're in first place Ooh. is because... The Minnesota Vikings, who we have slept on all year, who beat us. And everybody said, oh, I had the most deceptive 8-1 record or 7-1 record, whatever it is, in the league. But they just keep beating people. And went into Buffalo, down by 17 points in the second half. And you could say Buffalo, well, they did give that game away. How do you fumble a snap? bad. I mean, take a safety. It happened with the (laughs) Dolphins. Remember, against Buffalo, the butt punt. And take the safety. Mm-hmm. You're up by four points. If, if, you know, I don't understand what they were trying to do. Allen was trying to sneak the ball forward. And, you know, good on Minnesota. And then Buffalo comes back and scores the game-tying field goal. Minnesota comes, opens the overtime, three points. Buffalo, Josh Allen throws a pick in the end zone. A as bad, they were looking. A bad pick, too. It was a very oh. bad pick. I wonder if it's his elbow, but he has not looked right Mm-mm. the last two weeks. I'm not writing up Buffalo. I still think they're the best team in football. I they did beat Kansas City, uh, but they've you know they got issues. But that will be resolved. Still half a season left. 
But the Dolphins are in first place. That's first all that matters. First place bins on November 14th. How about that? All that matters. <laughs> Heading We're, into a bye. Oh, now we don't get we don't get Dolphins football this week. But we do. So Carly yesterday said to me, what am I, I got to figure out what I'm going to do next Sunday. I go, World Cup starts. World Cup. Ecuador. Izzy's not here. But Ecuador, Izzy's home, home country against Qatar. So here we go. World Cup. We'll, we'll do a World Cup preview next week. <laughs> Well-informed World Cup preview. <laughs> Who do you like, George? I don't know. Pick one of these 32 teams. Hey. Well, you said, you know, the U.S. men's was uh, was announced. The U.S. team was announcing their, their uh, <sighs> roster. Don't get me started. I, I couldn't tell you three guys on that roster. You know uh, Christian Pulisic. Pulisic. But I had to go double-check the spelling of his name. Yeah. <laughs> how do you pronounce his name also? What? And how you – I heard Pulisic, Pulisic. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, same thing with Qatar. Qatar, Qatar, mm-hmm. all that. Oh, so many things going on around that. Uh, so, yeah, the, the big thing with the World Cup team is Ricardo Pepe not being on there. And he scored this weekend. Kind of like telling the U.S. men's team, hey, what do you, how do you like me now? Mm-hmm. He's, in the, he's in the Bundesliga scoring goals, and we don't put him on the team. Even if you put him, you know, have him on the bench, you can get the experience for, for the next sure. World Cup. I mean, this is what, what Christian Pulisic did not get in the last – in the last World Cup, because they didn't qualify. Mm-hmm. But they play a week from today against Gareth Bale and Wales. Wales. So that is fun, and that's upcoming. This morning, very big news. I can't. I did not think I was going to talk about the Miami Marlins, but the Miami Marlins named Caroline O'Connor their, their president of baseball, a base, ops. A baseball ops. Not a baseball, a business ops. Very different. President of business ops. Because we've had, since Derek Jeter left the, left the team, uh, they really haven't had somebody, you know, other than Kim Ang, you know, who is mm-hmm. in charge of shoes. She's Kim Ang is in charge of baseball. Caroline, who I believe is a parishioner at Epiphany, and I met her at a at a Marlins game nice. a, a month a month and a half ago. A uh, very nice lady, uh, Father Alvarez from Epiphany speaks highly of her, and a very very intelligent woman. So the Marlins have are the first North American team to have women exclusively running the franchise. I mean, except for the owner, but. Wow, not that's, bad. That's pretty good. Now, if we could translate that into some wins and, and a postseason berth and and more butts in the seat. Our attendance did. I read this morning, attendance yeah. did climb, but there you go. Uh, what else is going on? Canes. We, do we have our quarterback? Oh, how many times have we said that? <laughs> <laughs> we found the end, so let's start there. You know, the, the, I, I think we've asked, uh, do we have our quarterback as often as we've said, are we back? And it's like, just stop asking. I know the Dolphins have <laughs> running backs. That I, I don't have to ask that question anymore. The Canes. But Ja'Curry Jacur, Brown. It looked good. That's I, like the, I like the swag. You I got to love, I, I like the high step in. Yeah, I mean, it, it was Georgia Tech. Right, but he's, he said, I got that dog in me. <laughs> I'm like, all right, dude, let's have that dog in me against Clemson. Yeah. Where, you said, what was the line? You told 19 me and a half. Uh, 19 well, that's and tempting. a half. We do not endorse gambling. That's tempting. Uh, defense looked better again. It is Georgia Tech. We were one and a half point dogs in that game. Uh, but this I, is the same team that lost to Middle Tennessee State. So yeah, and got blown so, out by Florida State. Florida State's looking good. They, they went up to Carrier Dome and mm-hmm. defeated a very good Syracuse team. Uh, Alabama beat Ole Miss. There was I went. The reason I was tired yesterday, we needed a nap because there was all sorts of nuttiness going on in the Pac-12. I was watching that Arizona. Arizona has two wins. Beat, went into the Rose Bowl, beat UCLA. Mm-hmm. Oregon loses at home uh, to uh, to Washington. Washington, yep. I'm like, you know, Pac-12 just basically said, yeah, we don't, I mean, the USC's still alive for the, the CFB berth. But 
wow, Pac-12 going nuts. Can I say something? And I know this is something we talked about back in August. UCLA and, and USC do not belong in the Big Ten. That, that, you know, they need to stay out there. Pac-12 is tradition, how they can do the Rose Bowl, all that. But college football was was crazy uh, late. I went to bed at 1.30 because I, I did fall. I, I couldn't stay awake. I did fall asleep before the end of the USC uh, UCLA-Arizona game. I heard Arizona score a touchdown. I didn't think that was the final score, yeah. but I fell asleep. <laughs> I couldn't anymore. I had to match the next morning. But, wow, it was just, uh, you know, Alabama defeated uh, Ole Miss in a great game also. But, yeah, no, I was just happy that the Canes won four touchdowns. And uh, Rooster, they ran the ball well. You know, they have to do that. And let's see what happens against Clemson. 3.30 on Saturday, and uh, we need one win for bowl eligibility, which I believe Pitt's really Pitt? a realistic chance here at home. Pitt at home, although we haven't won a home game in... Bethune-Cookman? <laughs> no, we won't. We, no, wait. No? Is that... Or is that <laughs> No, Southern Southern Miss. Was that our last home win? That was Get our out. last home win. We are we have we, not. That's right. We Mario's, have not won a home game against the ACC Mar- opponent. Mario's undefeated on the road in the ACC. Mm-hmm. Wow, I was happy for Mario. He looked like yeah. wow, because that must have been a tough week in that locker room. Really, really tough. Uh, the Heat. Eh, they 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 beat Charlotte twice, even with Lamelo Ball coming back. Um, did Lamelo, Angelo, I, I forget. Alonzo, one of the. It was Lamelo. I'm, I'm kidding, but uh, you're asking the wrong guy. I know, but uh, <laughs> they uh, they won on Saturday and they looked better. It was the first pretty much pretty blowout they've had all year. I'm looking behind you at the flags. The Panthers lost while college football was going on on Saturday, and I don't know what's going on there. Have to ask CJ. He, he, he's, he's due tw- for he's due for a call in. He's uh, his Twitter handle is his little COTLF hockey es- expert. So. We're due for a call-in, but it's early in the season. And remember, in the NHL, the regular season doesn't matter. You just get into the tournament, you're good. So we're six days away from the opening of the world's biggest sporting event. You know, they say that now, but I always say it's the Olympics. But what's watched more? Uh, I mean, the the Olympics has more participation, so so it gets more eyes. What did I just ask? What is watched more? Yeah, no, the... World Cup, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the the final, the thing that I don't like is obviously there's a million you don't like with Qatar holding, hosting the Olymp, I mean the the World Cup and everything that went behind that. But having it moved because of the heat, moved to the winter, interrupted. They played Premier League games this year, this weekend, excuse me, and these guys are going to be playing next mm-hmm. week in in Qatar, and then the kids have won't be. It's not summer vacation. Kids can't watch the games. Right. You know, we'll be ha- we'll have it on in the background here in the office, but uh, and the, and the U.S. the least of the group games are all at two p.m., so it's at a reasonable hour. Argentina plays at five o'clock a week from tomorrow. I want to find a good Argentinian party <laughs> at five o'clock in the morning. What's going on there? They'll probably have asados going on. Oh, I, I already asked one, and they're like, I don't know. There has to be. A, so you, like, you won't wake up at 4.30 to go on a five-mile run, but you'll wake up at 4.30. No, for, you think I'm going to wake <laughs> up at 5 o'clock in the morning of my day off to watch Argentina? <laughs> well, who do they play? Their first game is against. I, I downloaded I have to give it to you. I downloaded the, the schedule. They play Saudi Arabia. I, I did see a prediction that has Argentina, win, Argentina winning it all. Wow. Messi getting the World Cup? Cement his GOAT status? Pelé's always a GOAT. There's no argument there. But... But, you know, I said next week, I think Belgium's going to win it. I cannot speak intelligently on uh, 
I, I on should predictions ask CJ. Here. Uh, CJ, text just, me when you I hear this. I just enjoy watching it, think? but it's a great spectacle. It and is. It's, it's like every single every single game matters. Every single game is. It's the only time that I that I that I go in and I and I say, um, like I every, know, I know the game, moment. but no, but it's like you. Even, Ask me even, for a predictions. No. Even inter Miami games, you know, it's, <laughs> for us, it's like you know we'll have it on in the background, but we're doing other stuff. But like yep. the World Cup, you know, you're you're fixed mm-hmm. on it. There's a great TikTok video. I don't have TikTok, but somebody sent me the video of an Argentinian couple arguing because Timmy has his little Christmas play. He goes, but I don't want to go to his Christmas play. I go, why? I want to come and say that, but Argentina doesn't play. I go, what team's playing? Go, Senegal and Qatar. He goes, are you kidding me? Senegal and Qatar, you're gonna miss your kids. But it's El Mundial. It's a World Cup. Senegal and Qatar. So it's a, it's a hilarious video, it, and, and the passions of yeah. countries, entire countries stop. Yep. I've been in Italy twice during World Cup. Oh wow! Everything stops. That's awesome. I, I I was in Italy when when they got the the that World Cup following the World Cup win when they got ousted in the in the group stage. Same thing happened to Spain after mm. they won, and so beware France. It's not going to happen. France is way too good. Uh, they came back. I wasn't there, but Bishop, uh, we were we were in Rome for Bishop uh, Archbishop Wenski's pallium. Bishop Newton flew in the day after I did. He was in the airport. People were there. He got to the airport the same time that Italy touched down from South Africa. People were there with tomatoes in hand to throw. Oh wow! To throw. They were saying things in Italian, which I can't repeat on air because I have Italian listeners. But wow, it it just everything stops, and it's just amazing to see how this well, game transformed the world. Let's and the Pope always has a, a nice. A nice quote, and remember, Argentina and, and Germany played against mm-hmm. each other in 2014 in Brazil, and they had all these pictures of Benedict, and they didn't. I don't think they watched it together, but it's like uh, that's awesome. But that was that was so so good. And there was one picture one time at that, that 2014 World Cup of Argentina playing Switzerland, and one day the Swiss guard was in St. Martha's Chapel praying because the Pope was going to celebrate Mass for them, and he came in a little early while they were praying to sit in the back and pray with them. And he goes, when you're the only guy there, only Argentinian, in, <laughs> when you're playing Swiss and uh, Switzerland and Argentina, it was a funny, funny uh, meme that went around. But no, that's what the World Cup does. We're looking forward to it. It kicks off at 11 a.m. Izzy's getting ready. She's She got me a World Cup jersey for Ecuador. I have to wear it on Sunday. And Ecuador and Cutter. Let's yeah, go. We're upending the Christ the King. Christ the King's this weekend. Can you believe it? That's Nope, I cannot believe it. So, and then Advent is right there. Boom. It's all there. Away so, we go. Here we go. Be bold. Don't be wimps. Be a bold Catholic. Be courageous in your faith. Stand up for your faith. Stand up for your convictions because at the end of the day, we're talking about Judgment Day. That's how we will be judged. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.